you know, you, you say you're a coach for social means moms and people, all of a sudden think that you always have it together too, which is not at all the case, right? So it's like, I know that I am still growing and still have every much as neat as anybody else. Yet I, I can also acknowledge, okay, yeah, I also do have some skills and tools and I've been practicing now for five years. So it is honestly intimidating for me. Yet that was a moment where it really was the time where I said, yeah, this is where I'm going. Welcome to the Unforgotten Families podcast, an action-oriented community of hope, inclusivity, and compassion for all medically fragile families. This podcast was created to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of these resilient individuals. It's our hope that the information and stories we share will inspire and empower you to join us in advocating for these families and help to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hello, Tough Advocates. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Unforgotten Families podcast. Today, we are very grateful to have Kara Riska on our show. Kara is an amazing mother and advocate and is also a life coach and the host of the Special Needs Mom podcast. And Kara, I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. Well, you're welcome. I am so happy to be here. And, you know, one thing that I think about, and I know that you are doing a lot of work on a regular basis, um, what's what's just been coming up a lot uh, in your world? What's what's alive for you right now? You know, what's alive for me right now <laughs> is the things that I think special needs moms and dads, of course, will will get. So what's coming up for me is, man, I don't I don't want it to be this hard uh, currently trying to get a wheelchair for my son and insurance has their process, which I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about. And, you know, as a life coach, I'm trained to look at the story behind stuff. So I can see the story, but what's coming up for me is actually just allowing myself to feel the anger and frustration and not judging it, which is actually more difficult for me than once one might think. So that's what's coming up for me is actually allowing the man <laughs> and then, but not getting stuck there. And so I think it's a, it's for me, it's been a, a real revolution. Is that the right word? Like kind of coming from one place and maybe that's a transformation. I don't know what it's called, but really kind of starting at a certain place where I really didn't have a lot of skills. We'll go more into my story later, but to where I'm at now where I'm like, okay, like I can actually see what needs to happen, but it doesn't always mean it's easy still for me, even though, yes, I've been practicing some of these things for a little longer. It's a beautiful thing when you start to do the work and then, you know, when you're sharing, you're doing this all the time and it makes you accountable to actually (laughs) work really hard. Um, And I feel like that's one of my lessons too, is like feeling it, right? And not not just like bypassing it and pushing it to the side. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that into the space and and thank you for sharing that uh, because it's real. One thing that I'd like to know is and have you share is like what got you into all of this work and a little bit of your backstory. So my backstory is really my only aspiration coming out of college was to be a mom. Uh, yeah, I had a job and I had a totally unrelated career to what I do now. And I was generally happy. And like many special needs moms, there was this one sit down conversation with a doctor that completely changed my life. And our story is that conversation was a doctor telling us that my son had a brain tumor. 
So this now is 10 years ago. My son was two at the time. I also had a four-year-old and I was pregnant with my third child. So that conversation landed us in a hospital getting ready for a craniotomy to save his life. That was really the only treatment option and a two month stay in the hospital. So it really swept us off, off our feet. And, you know, I, I talked a little bit in the intro or earlier about, I, I really came to this with not a lot of skills on processing my own thoughts, needs, emotions. And I look back at myself 10 years ago and, and man, I'm actually really proud of myself for, for surviving what we survived. And also I can look back at that 10 year ago self and really kind of admire the, my capability of, of, of doing what needed to get done and allowing myself to come alive in my own time again. Cause honestly, it took about five years as I look back to say, Oh, okay. I actually am shifting from surviving to like the idea of thriving. <laughs> I wasn't right away into thriving, but it was like, okay. And it took, but it took about five years to kind of get to the point where we recovered enough financially, spiritually, physically, because my son's, um, I, I can go into the details if you'd like, but he has multiple diagnoses as a result of this surgery that he had. And then just to keep the growth coming, my son actually in this last year, actually just months ago, underwent his second craniotomy for a second brain tumor. Very different experience being the version of me that has been growing and practicing this for 10 years. But I'll tell you, it did not make it easier. And it did. It, um, yes, I have the awareness to kind of work through some things, but, but it doesn't mean I still don't get stuck. And so I'll, I'll add to the picture that about five years after his first diagnosis, I was looking for that next kind of what for I was looking kind of probably to make sense of everything. And how can I use this horrible experience for good? Uh, not just for me, but for the community around me and just really kind of redeem it, if you will. And I stumbled across life coaching and like many people probably are like, oh, that's cute. Like a life coach. And because it was, it's an emergency, it's an emerging industry. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what a life coach actually does or, or who they are. But I was intrigued enough to sign up for a, a, a year-long course, a study, actually, a, a program. And firstly, for me, it, it changed my life. And then, of course, it gave me the skills and tools and practice to be able to support other people. And it wasn't until actually about two years ago, I didn't go into it with the intention of supporting special needs moms. I was like, I'll support anybody else. <laughs> Yet, uh, time and time again, I felt like, you know, I have to bring these concepts and this work to this community because as a coach, what you learn is really whether you're coaching an executive or a stay-at-home mom, it's really all the same stuff. Nothing's different, really. And so that's really kind of how I got to where I am today. And the, the podcast is part of my way of connecting with my people. And I absolutely love it. And it's it's been a... a a real privilege, I feel like, to connect to with, with this community. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Was was there like an a moment? You know, you said that there was like you realized that you needed to do this for the community that you're a part of, which is 
parents with special needs kiddos. Um, was there a moment where you're like, this needs to happen or like a moment that you started it where you were like, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. There's a couple moments that stand out for me. One of the first moments was actually about 10 years ago when we were still in the hospital and I was crossing the street from the hospital to the parking garage, also the Ronald McDonald house, which we were staying in. And I remember it so clearly. It was like I was in the middle of crossing the street. And I remember just thinking, this will be the thing that connects me to what I'm meant to do here on earth, which was really powerful. I mean, I can still feel it now. Like it was, I had no idea what, I had honestly no idea what skills I was going to bring, but I knew that it was going to be the connecting point to kind of really discovering myself. I know it sounds a little corny, but it's very true that I have gotten to like learn who I am through this process, which is obviously a gift. So that's one moment. I think another moment that stands out is it was about two years ago and I happened to be working with um, a corporate coaching team I work with. We're called Play Big Corporate Coaching. And the way that we start all of our meetings is it's a small group. There's about six of us. And it it was, we asked the question, what do you want to share to be present today? So just an invitation to kind of clear the space. And on the way to this meeting, I had gotten an email from school, yet another email. I get a lot of emails from school. And this particular email was nothing different, but it felt really heavy. It, It happened to be telling me about a, Uh, incident that happened with my son behaviorally at school. He would have been in fifth grade at this time. It just hits you heavy sometimes that like you're besides my husband, that sometimes the journey can feel so alone. Like you get this kind of email and you're like, what do you even do with this information? So what I chose to do that day to start this meeting, to be present. It's like, I was like, I just want to share this email. I'm just going to read this email so that you can know what's happening for me. And so I read the email and it was a very clear moment that like that for me, when it was, when I said, now is time for me to actually step into the arena of saying I'm a coach for special needs moms. Cause I'm sure <laughs> You know, you, you say you're a coach for social needs moms and people all of a sudden think that you always have it together too, which is not at all the case, right? So it's like, I know that I am still growing and still have every much as need as anybody else. Yet I, I can also acknowledge, okay, yeah, I also do have some skills and tools and I've been practicing now for five years. And so it is honestly intimidating for me. Yet that was a moment where it really was the time where... I said, yeah, this is where I'm going. That's beautiful. And, you know, now you have 69 episodes on your podcast. Um, you've been raising a special needs kiddo for, for 12 years. And when you talk about, you know, sharing your story, like that was a moment where you're like, this is what I'm going through. Because a lot of people probably don't know until you let them in. What What would you say is the importance when you're, you know, you're hearing these family stories, you're sharing yours of of storytelling and sharing experiences with a community. Oh, I, oh man, I like that lit me up. Storytelling. I actually did a, a, um, a half day for part of my community on storytelling because storytelling is actually transformational. How we tell our story, 
has every bit to do with how we're one redeeming our story and owning our story and inviting ourselves to that, for me, deeper connection with not just ourselves, but how we share our stories is how others connect with us. So in the special needs community, my, my most connection is with mom. So a lot of times I'll say special needs moms community is the story. Nobody gets it. Nobody understands. And I, I understand. Cause actually like I was talking about feeling angry. I was going to that story. I was like, ah, nobody understands what it's like not to be able to get my car up to the school to pick up my son who can't walk that far. Like, Oh, like the narrative is nobody gets it. And if we stop there, just have that be an internal story, then the result is that we feel isolated, alone, resentful, and that just stops there. When we share our story, sure, another mom or dad may not connect with the specifics. They might not have a child in a wheelchair, or they may not have gone through a hospitalization. But when you share your story, which for me is your story is kind of what happened, but more so what came up for you? Like what, what was scary about that? Or what was significant about that? And what helped and, and what kind of got you past that challenge? And, and where are you now? Like, that's your story. They connect with part of your story. Like they might think, oh yeah, well, you know, I was helping my, my mom access something for her medical needs. And yeah, that was really frustrating. And there's a connection point that happens when we are willing to share our story and magically, and it's not magic at the end of sharing your story, you feel connected to other people. And of course, hopefully they feel connected to you. Actually, I have an episode, the episode I did on my one year anniversary. So it was probably episode like 52. I think it was actually episode 54. I don't know how I did that, (laughs) but I was not worried about fixing it. Because, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. I don't know how that happened. But it actually highlights the stories of three women in my community. And man, it'll move you to tears because they are badass women. And the stories are not necessarily, you know, I went to the moon and back. The stories are their everyday life. The things they're thinking and feeling. They're not these superhero stories, even though they are superheroes. So... I have a lot to say about story, apparently. (laughs) I love all of that that you shared. And I totally resonate with that. And, you know, it's like you get to see your own reflection in someone else's story. And as the storyteller, you, you heal a little bit from being heard and being understood. And then as the listener, you get to realize that you're not alone. Um, And I feel like that's what I'm getting from you in this. And one other question that I have as a follow-up is after, you know, 69 episodes and after, you know, honoring these family stories and doing all the work that you're doing, what are some of the, the other, like just takeaways that you under, that you see within this community, within the community of raising special kids? Like, what do you see about these people um, to reflect back to yourself and to them? That's a good question. And I actually think I, I look back at conversations I have and of course through the podcast, but also through the coaching work I do. And I, I look for those common themes. 
One of the biggest ones is what I call if then thinking. So a question I commonly ask people as they're entertaining the idea of, of hiring a coach is, well, you know, what do you want? What do you want instead of what you have now? And of course, we, we look at kind of where they are at now, which commonly is they feel stuck, they feel trapped, they feel alone, they feel frustrated, which it makes sense. I totally resonate with that. And they think then that the answer to feeling less, all of those things, all of the things they don't want to feel is a change in circumstance. And these circumstances can be when my child learns to read, when my child learns to walk, when my family understands me better, when the school gives me the new IEP, like whatever the circumstance is that changes or like when my child gets a diagnosis, then that's what they attribute to giving them the power to get what they want. And usually what they want is to feel themselves again, to feel capable, to feel like they're not kind of trapped by this child. And, and then of course, they do not like the resentment that they feel from that because who wants to resent their child as a mother, right? So there's a lot of these like mixed emotions that, that, that happen. So the if then thinking is a trap. It's a trap that, that everyone falls into. We, we all come across this, but I just see it so commonly throughout that it's not necessarily the change in circumstance that's going to shift the experience of life that you're having. It's really a shift in story, you know, going back to story, it's really shifting your story about it and what you're making it mean. So if, of course, we've all had a picture for what our child or children would be doing in life. Let's just use going to college for an example. And if you attribute going to college as the way to that child being happy or fulfilled or connected to their purpose in life. And you see that child's not going to necessarily go to college. Then you see you have no power because you know, you can't necessarily change or fix this child at this point. But if you recognize, okay, what I actually want for my child is for them to feel fulfilled in their life, to be who they were meant to be here on earth. Oh, and they don't have to do anything or not do anything to have that. Then it's like all of a sudden, you see how it just totally shifts the experience. It connects you to what's possible. And when you connect to what's possible, then that's when the magic happens. And you can like then, okay, like who do I need to be to go create that for my child or myself? And like, that's when like, again, like shifting into possibility is for me the most favorite experience for myself. And when I see my clients kind of make that, shift from feeling so stuck and in the moment of a call to all of a sudden feel like, Oh no, I actually can do that. Like all of a sudden to think, Oh, I can actually have the life I want, even though I would have never chosen the circumstance. So that's kind of, um, I can't remember your, Oh, you're the common themes. So where was I going? That's a big common theme. I, I see is that if then thinking. If this happens, my life will be X. Like if if I if I if we achieve this as a family, if my son gets this, then we will be happy. Um, is kind of what I'm thinking. It's like if if this happens, then and and I could see that in my life as well. Um, but I could see how you know going through all of these these milestones changing and the goalposts changing, which I hear a lot from families as well, is like the as life moves on, the, the goalpost kind of changes and you have to find peace in that. Precisely. I think it, it, I, what I also see is 
there's a lot of grief that's that comes up for special needs moms because we thought some we thought parenting our children would be one way and it turns out it's another. So there's a a life we thought we're gonna have to grieve. As the children progresses in years, or as the child progresses in years, there's different stories that come up of what we thought that that child was going to be doing at that time, what we thought our life was going to look like at that time. So something that comes up a lot for us is my son is 12. He has a 14 year old older brother. They talk a lot about cars and my 12 year old son, as a result of his, as of his first tumor resection is blind in one eye and only partially sighted in the other. Although he functions quite well and behaviorally, he's quite impulsive. So if you think about somebody that you don't want on the road, uh, that would be my child. <laughs> and so we don't know. I mean, it's, you know, we talk all the time about like, you're just going to have to get a self-driving car or we don't know what's going to happen. We haven't decided that yet, but in my thoughts, it's possible that driving at 16 is not going to be the best fit for this child. Right. And so there's a, there's a coming of age that's may not happen for this child that will happen for another. And maybe I've grieved a little bit now, but I think when that time comes, I'll have to grieve a little bit more. So like you said, it's constantly moving and changing because these children are constantly moving and changing and our expectations of what we thought we were going to be doing is going along with that. Absolutely. And and what would you say, you know, when it sounds like you're going through a time right now, and I'm sure that happens regularly as someone that has done a lot of work and is is sharing with a lot of families and connecting, you know, what are some of your practices when, when you just feel like when well, there's no way out, what, what do you, what are some practices that you have? What are some mindsets that you implement? And I guess just kind of share from that, from that space. There's a lot that I do and I laugh to myself because I'm like, I wish people could see how dedicated or maybe how committed I am because I do a lot of like, I will, I'm going to call them silly things too. And so I actually am going to just share a day in the life and not to say that every day looks like this. It's uh, I am clearly not perfect. So as I was sharing the beginning of this episode, I have some like anger coming up with some things that are happening. And so knowing that I'm, you know, after this call, I'm going to be serving my clients and, and for this space and for that space, I, my standard or my expectation for myself is to come kind of as a, an available container to connect. And if I'm not connected to myself and I haven't done the work myself, then it, it, I, I can maybe fake it a little bit, but it's just, it's not the ideal. Also, I'll mention because we are coming off of this very intense season of surgery and hospitalization and really kind of going back the, to the basics of survival. I'm also really, really focused on my own, I'll call it self-care because that's a very general umbrella, but tending to my needs as the highest priority of my life right now. And when I say my needs, it's the basics, it's food, sleep, obviously air, but it's also my emotional needs. So there's a practice that I I do called shaking and dancing. And it's based in trauma in the sense of um, you're smiling. You're familiar with this? Or are you just thinking that's pretty amazing? <laughs> okay. So 
uh, there's a book, Transforming Trauma, that first introduced me to it, I think. And essentially, he talks about, you know, when we as we'll just go with mammals, as mammals are flushed with the hormones that are required in a threatening moment. So, you know, for like animals out in the wild, it's actually, you know, like, oh, a lion, like I need to run. I have all these flushing hormones. And for us, <laughs> I'll just use yesterday. It's me trying to get the wheelchair up and down the curbs. Like that's my threat, right? Like for what's happening right now. And so these, what happens is it kind of builds up in your body and we don't kind of finish the cycle, you know, cause after I had to kind of fight through that moment, the next moment I'm trying to, you know, get to an appointment on time. So it's just not an environment where we can kind of fully complete the cycle. So this shaking and dancing process literally has us shake our body to allow the body to shed the extra energy or hormones, whatever is released, and then go into a breathing exercise and then to kind of dance, to allow the body to kind of fully reconnect to itself and to fully complete the cycle. So I did that this morning because I thought, you know what, like I need a little extra right now. In addition to that, I did what's called a thought download. And so it's really where you take all the thoughts that you have and feelings and stories and you just start writing them all out. So I'm tempted to grab my journal right now and start reading it, but it's going to be thoughts like where it's honest, right? Where it's like not filtered. So for me, it's thoughts like I am afraid that they're going to think I'm not doing a good job as in the people that I want to ask for help. I am angry that this isn't easier. Uh, so really the idea here is it's not filtered. You don't have to clean it up, but then what you get to do is I get to go back and, and read it and say, okay, well, is that true? Like, is that actually a true thing? And I get to see either if it's an actual fact, which most, most of the things that you're going to write down in a thought a download are not facts. They're, they're your interpretations. They're your story. And the reason that distinguishing between fact and, and not fact and interpretation is so important is because our interpretations where we get our, our power back. Since we've interpreted something one way, if we don't like the result that that's producing in our life, how it's making us feel, we have the agency to revise that thought, to morph it, to change it, to grow it. And so that's really why it's so important to look back. And for me, I can look back. And actually what happened this morning is I have a request for the school to change the way that they're administering medication for my son. Currently, it, I kind of can't tell, but it, it seems like they're asking him to take responsibility for going down to go get it. And it's not working. And so my request for them is to essentially bring it to him and to not have it be his responsibility. And what was coming up for, I was kind of getting lost and was like, okay, like, I feel like, oh, they're going to think I'm not taking enough responsibility for this, that I'm just trying to like pass it off on them. But through this writing, I was like, oh, I actually am. Like, I really actually am saying, I'm asking you to take responsibility because I don't want my son to take responsibility for this. Like, it's not the area we're going to do a lesson. Like he needs his meds and it's just, that's a fact. I'm not there. So really, I can't take responsibility for it. And I was kind of feeling like it was wrong of me to expect them to. But then through this writing, I got clear. Oh, no, actually, it's a very simple request. 
my requests for them is that you take full responsibility for getting him his meds without him having to walk downstairs to get it. So I don't know. That's kind of a little bit of a tangent. So writing. No, that's a beautiful explanation. I think it really grounds in the point that you're making because it is your stories that is going to make your action. And through that process, you realize like, what do I actually need here? And boundaries, you know, like what, what am I willing to do? Cause if you said, okay, I'll drive to school every day, you know, like that's something that I'm sure a lot of families will do because they're like, I'm going to get things done and that's what I do. But maybe there's some, maybe life wouldn't be as chaotic if you could realize that, you know what, that's actually something that I can request. And this is why I need it. Brilliant. I actually, that's funny. The idea of making requests came up in one of my group coaching programs last week that I think we sometimes even forget the idea of asking, of making a request. We were actually talking about boundaries as it came. Uh, we're, you know, approaching holidays and they're worried a little bit about how to manage their personal needs along with their special needs child's needs as it relates to family gatherings and just that's stressful for us, special needs or not, right? Going around a lot of people and mixed thoughts and feelings. And so we were talking just about the language of like making a request saying, my request is that you leave by eight o'clock so that I can get my, my child to bed. Or my request is that we meet at a park so we can be outside so I can feel safe. Or, I mean, I can clean that up a little bit, but that's the concept, right? Is like really taking responsibility for what you need and then being willing to ask for it. And I think also like a lot of people, we we don't give credit to the people around us. I'm sure like even like husbands or friends, like people like, especially seeing what you are going through, like to be of service. And sometimes they just need to know what it is that they need to do to make that to make your life better. And so I think making those requests is not only, it's not only good to do that, but it also is a gift to the other person because they get to now provide service to you. I wholeheartedly agree. My neighbor, who I don't know that well, I've been in her house like four times. She texted me this morning and said, Hey, I think I forgot to turn my, my hair straightener off. Do you mind checking it for me? And so I ran over there, checked it. It was, you know, it was off, but you know, now she knows. And I really reflected. I was like, I am so thankful that she asked me. Like, I felt so glad to be able just to, because she's a nurse, she's at work all day. I was so glad to help her. And again, going through the episode that we still, we have recently, I've been in the shoes of the receiving end, like very heavily. And it just felt so good to be asked to help and to be allowed in. And so, yeah, I think that, I'll add something to that though, is when we make a clean request, I'll explain what I mean by that. It feels very different than we, if we make a, I guess the opposite would be like a dirty request. And the difference is, is if we actually allow the person that we're requesting permission to say no, like that we're not attached to them having to say yes, then they experience the request differently, right? But if you're asking through the lens of, I shouldn't even have to ask. You should know what I need. You're probably not going to say yes. Like, like if there's a lot of story, that's good. What's I'm going to call that dirty. Like you haven't cleaned it out yet. And you make that request. Then, you know, we, we think we're pretty good fakers and hiders and we're really not people. It's like, it's almost like people can smell it coming out. 
versus it's not the words that you're saying. It's what I'll describe as your being behind it. So when you make a clean request, you can receive their answer and not have it be like, there's not a right or wrong answer. If it's not what you had hoped for or thought they were going to say, what you have to do is make a new request. It's really like so simple, an exchange of requests back and forth until you get what you need and they get what they need. And it might not align. Like you might have to say, okay, I'm, I need to not come. And that's actually, that, that could happen as well. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So I think there was something, you know, we, I, I, I know I just kind of sidetracked you and you were giving a list of all the, the different practices that you, you have. I want to give you space to share anything else within that and also wanted to honor the idea of like just making yourself uh, the priority first and knowing that if you're taking care of yourself and doing these things for you, well, guess what happened? Well, you gave this might give the school an opportunity to show that they are going above and beyond. This gives your son a little more space. They don't have to figure this out on their own. And it's all because you worked on yourself. So the outcome is still happening for other people, but you focused on yourself first. And I just wanted to, um, you know, make light of that and show how that is. It's a beautiful thing to actually see how that progressed. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, coaching all comes down to a very, very basic sentence or formula, if you will. Awareness combined with new action equals transformation. And so the first and and fundamental step is awareness. So that is where that's more of an inside job. And of course, um, can be very well supported through the reflections of an outside person. Because oftentimes when we have a story, we are so enrolled in it being true. It actually occurs for us as fact. And I can tell this because when, when someone's sharing with me, the way that they share, it's like they're reporting the weather. Like, well, it's just this way. And it's great. Cause I'm like, well, they don't realize that they're so committed that this is like they will fight that it's a fact and they'll tell me why it's a fact it's great and then when they when you realize that oh that actually isn't a fact like i was saying earlier like there's that's where the magic is because there's we can't change facts right i cannot change that my eyes are blue Uh, i guess i could have surgery but that's a whole whole different story (laughs) but there's just certain things like we cannot change our children's diagnoses we cannot change a lot of things about the situation. The fundamental part is becoming aware and then taking on new actions, doing something differently than you did before. And a lot of this is really kind of through the lens of who you're being about it. So the type of coaching specifically that I do was based in a fancy word called ontology, which is the study of who we're being. And so it's like, well, what does that mean, Kara? (laughs) So who we're being is the combination of who, what we're thinking and how we're feeling. And then that's how you show up in the world. And so when we come kind of with our own story, oftentimes we're being a victim of the story. This happened to me. I have no power. You have to change that kind of stuff, which I'm very familiar with because I was a very good victim and I can still do some real good you know, thinking that everybody else is the problem. But when you shift to what I'll call it being a responsibility, then all of a sudden 
you have your power back and you don't see problems anymore. You actually see how, how you can get what you want in spite of the circumstance. And again, like for special needs moms, when we have these diagnoses that feel really hard and they feel really against the ideas that we thought we were going to be experiencing life that we thought was going to lead to a happy life. Then when we stop being a victim of what happened, then that's when we can kind of step into like, Oh wow. Like I can still experience a beautiful, meaningful life. Even with this. And I think then it's like, again, being responsible. A lot of us are like, I can't exercise because I can't leave my child. Where, yeah, you might not have the structure in place currently to to leave your child at all. I, I totally can hear that because there's certainly certainly circumstances where you can't just walk away. Yet, when you, instead of kind of fighting for the I can't, I can't, and you shift to ask the question of how can I, or what would need to happen for me too? I was working again with a client last week on, she's a, as a newer, a newer child, five months old only. And she's like, I just got to get back to some routine. Like I just need to find my bearings. And so we were talking kind of about the idea of kind of creating the structure routine. And, and ultimately what we found out is that it wasn't actually the structure routine of exercise. She was trying to figure out how to exercise. It was actually like she needed a structure for sleep. Like her basic needs were not being met. And so then we could create a conversation around, okay, like, well, what is it going to take for you to actually go to bed with the confidence that you're going to be able to take care of yourself? Like you're going to be able to get some sleep. And so that's a totally different conversation than most even in special needs or not like, Oh, you have a newborn. Oh, sorry. You're not going to sleep for the next year. Well, eh, that doesn't sound like a very fun conversation. Like I don't want that conversation. I want to know that I can actually enjoy this, which I know can sound audacious in the special needs application, but it's not. I love that. Thank you. So before we close out, I just wanted to first just share, is there anything that we haven't covered that you just feel like right now is very relevant um, to, you know, we have, we have family members. A lot of families are listening to this podcast. We have doctors who are caring for kiddos. We have people that just care. Um, I guess for, for that group of people, and I know your specific, you know, niche is, is the parents and, and the mothers specifically. Um, but is there just anything that you'd like to share before, um, while we have you here? I think the thing that comes to my mind, cause I think this applies to, to everybody because I, I do work with people outside of the special needs community as well, is developing the skill of being kind and compassionate with yourself. Noticing your tendency to judge yourself or to be harsh with yourself, to be harsh with yourself in a way that you would never be to another human being. Because that's what comes up a lot. When we're real honest with ourselves, it doesn't, it doesn't look pretty sometimes. Or when we have the experience of like for me, like being angry, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that experience. And so I, I start to judge it. But then being able to kind of go back in and touch it with kindness and compassion, like that is life shifting. That's life transforming. And I would say it's it, it requires probably a lifelong practice because our, our brains don't seem to retain that as well as they retain some other information and practices. So 
kindness and compassion is a practice to develop. Absolutely. I think that's what the whole world needs right now. Yeah. So where can people find you? Is there any resources, things that you want to share? I'm just giving you the space to do that as well. So the Kariska is a nice, not a super common name. So my website is kariska.com at Kariska on Instagram. And then my podcast is available on all podcast outlets at the Special Needs Mom podcast. And it usually comes up even if you just type Special Needs Mom. So I am very well connected in those three areas. And I would love to connect with anybody. Uh, even if you're like, I don't really totally understand part of what you said, but I'm curious to know more. It, it just delights me to have these connections and conversations. So you're more than welcome to, to reach out for questions or curiosity. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. And thank you for sharing your voice and for being an amazing mother. And for being here with us and sharing the, your wisdom with us. And, you know, I look forward to continuing to connect. I, I think we already kind of talked about it the first time we had a quick chat. I was just saying, like, I'm just happy to know that I have you to connect people to if I feel um, anyone needs it. And so I just want to say thank you for coming on and for sharing with us. And we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And actually, last before we close, I do want to invite anybody who is interested to check out the group coaching program I have. It is designed for moms. So I'm sorry, dads and other people. But the idea here is we, they don't want to be alone, right? They don't want to be the moms that I work with. We are in a community shifting the narrative, changing the conversation. And so thank you so much for the opportunity to connect with your audience. And I would invite anybody interested to come check out what I have to offer and see if it can kind of really be a resource for you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kara. We really hope you love her as much as we do. One thing that we would love to request is if you could please leave a review wherever you're listening. Five-star reviews help the algorithm know that this information is useful and it will start spreading the information into more people's hands. The more five-star reviews, the more people that we can impact. So if you could please, 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 wherever you're listening, please leave a review, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, or Google. Thank you so much for being tough advocates. Thank you for listening to this show and we will see you on the next episode.